worship at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 10th chapter. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into the streets and say, Even the dust of your own, of your own town that clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemies, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Have you ever been appointed to do something that you're not really sure you want to do? Sometimes at church meetings, if there are um, duties or tasks or a role uh, to fill, we joke about appointing the person who wasn't able to make it to the meeting since they're not there to defend themselves. That's mostly a joke, anyway. Or have you ever been appointed to do something not realizing that it was understood to be a lifetime appointment, and after a season or two, you kind of wish you could just set it down and let someone else pick it up? I don't know, perhaps it's only me that feels a little bit skeptical about the idea of being appointed to do something. Like it takes away some of my agency, it reduces my ability to determine what I'm going to do and when and how. And I bet I'm not the only one who kind of feels that way. But I'm noticing in our gospel reading for today that when it comes time to send laborers out into the harvest, to send lambs out in the midst of wolves, Jesus didn't ask for volunteers. Jesus didn't say, who would be willing to go out into the surrounding villages and do some door knocking to inquire if people would like to hear a little more about Jesus? These 70 followers did not volunteer. They were voluntold. Jesus appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead to every town and place where he himself intended to go. 
So imagine being one of those 70. Being paired up with a travel buddy that you maybe did or did not know, sent to a town that you were or were not familiar with, not sure where you'd be staying or what food you would be served, on a mission to do something that you'd probably never done before. Appointed to do the things that Jesus had so far been doing for you, curing the sick, proclaiming the kingdom of God, and teaching the ways of discipleship. What do you think it felt like to be sent out on this mission described in Luke chapter 10? I've heard this account compared to an internship of sorts. Everyone was sent out for a while, and then they reconvened, gathered back in to report and debrief and celebrate what had been accomplished. Maybe this was a sort of training for the ministry the church would be entrusted with after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected and ascended. And maybe this was an opportunity for God to demonstrate to Jesus' followers how God's power could work through even them and how they could trust that when they ventured out into the world and into the midst of wolves, they were not on their own. But I imagine it took some boldness and some courage to get started. This was a new thing. It was framed with some intensity. Jesus said, carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. There's a fair chance you'll be rejected at some points along the way, but just keep going. And they went. So what might this episode in the gospel mean for us, for the church today? Well, we obviously live and worship in a very different time and place and culture than these first apostles did. And the Christian faith and way of life is in a very different place than it was, you know, 2,000 years ago. No longer brand new in the world. So for most of us, I don't think it's a one-to-one. I don't think it's our mission to try and get invited to stay in some far-off stranger's house so we can carry the message far and wide. The truth is that many of our neighbors, both near and far, have heard about Jesus. Many even grew up being an active part of the church. It's not so much that people in our own city and state today don't know the story of Jesus. It's that they don't know what difference it makes. They don't know the so what. They haven't been personally impacted by the transformational and life-giving good news of Jesus in ways that shape their life and their identity in this world. I wonder if this is the church's greatest shortcoming, that they haven't seen that in us. We have not faithfully modeled lives transformed by Jesus Christ. We have not embodied God's intention for a world that looks like the kingdom of God. So that's what I sense in this time and place that the mission of the church today is all about. It's less about speaking the often familiar message of Jesus, though that is still important, but it's more about courageously showing the world what difference following Jesus makes in our lives. And before we can share that with others, we better be able to recognize it for ourselves. So how might our daily life be shaped by the good news of the gospel? 
by the promise of salvation and by the reality of God's love and grace poured out for all. And how might we daily practice our faith in ways that meaningfully set us apart from those who don't follow Jesus? Well, when we can answer those questions, when we have determined those things, then can we boldly live a gospel-shaped life right where we are? Can we begin to embody the kind of love and care for our community that God has for the whole world? utterly profound in its breadth and depth. And I know it's harder than it sounds, even if it sounds really hard, which it kind of does. This mission is set before us today in 2022. And even as we celebrate America on this Independence Day weekend, the name United States begins to sound like a misnomer. I think we all lament that ours is, in fact, a country divided in many ways, with seemingly insurmountable differences pulling us ever further apart. And in these times, living a life that showcases grace and peace and love in patience and kindness, in humility and acts of service to those who are different from us, well, that way of life becomes so countercultural that we ourselves hardly know what it would look like. Except we do know when we look to Jesus. When we not only listen to the message that Jesus speaks, but when we reflect on the message that Jesus lived. Proclaiming the same promise, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Proclaiming that same promise both to those who reject him as well as those who accept him. Jesus reaching out in love to his religious rivals in the Samaritans, showing compassion to his political oppressors in the Romans, by performing humble acts of service to the most marginalized of society, by embracing the rejected, in offering saving grace to both Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free, constantly enacting love that overcomes every distinction we might imagine. In the difficulty of this mission lies its power. When the church is at its best, we are living in a manner counter to the prevailing culture around us, counter to the anger and division, counter to injustice and violence. And that is exactly what makes us a bright light in the world and the salt of the earth. Can we courageously and boldly undertake this mission? No, we can't. Not on our own. But Jesus never expected us to do it on our own. So first, we gather in, as we have this morning, to receive forgiveness, to be fed and nourished at the Lord's Supper, to be sustained and strengthened, and reminded of the message embodied by a crucified Savior, gloriously resurrected, and now through the Holy Spirit, empowering us to go. And then we are sent out these doors, out into the world, to live out the so what of the gospel. To embody the teachings of Jesus in our work and in our play, in our families and among our neighbors. Inspired by this story in Luke 10, perhaps we too can trust that God goes ahead of us into each new day and alongside us on the way, providing the strength and vision 
and grace sufficient for our weakness. As we are sent, perhaps we can go already anticipating returning back here with joy over the ways that God's power has been at work in us and through us for the sake of the world. You have been appointed. We have been appointed. We have been called through the Holy Spirit as followers of Jesus to participate in God's mission to save the whole world. May we joyfully and enthusiastically accept the mission set before us, trusting that God does indeed go both ahead of us and alongside us, providing all we need to be faithful to this call. May it be so. Amen.